This is Novel Marketing. I'm Thomas Umstadt Jr. And I'm James L. Rubart. And this is the show for novelists who want to become best-selling authors. And in this episode, we are going to talk about branding. Now, we've talked about branding before, actually in three specific episodes. And we thought we had the subject covered. Certainly, we can go into more depth in the three levels of branding that we talked about. But Thomas and I were chatting the other day, and he says, Jim, you know what? I think there is a fourth level to branding that most authors and most companies don't ever reach, but we should talk about it. So today, we're going to talk about exactly that. But before we talk about step four, the ultimate step, you could say, in branding, and I really do think this is the ultimate step. I don't think there is a higher step, and you'll realize why I'm saying that when we get there. Uh, Let's quickly summarize the first three steps, and you can go back and listen to these Uh, on novelmarketing.com. Step one is look in the mirror. This is asking the question, who am I as an author? Who am I as a brand? And you can listen to that in episode 41. Yeah, step two, uh, which is in episode 42, if you want to go back and re-listen to it, is look at your readers. In other words, figure out who these readers are, what they're about, what they're like. And then the third step, which is in episode 43, is look through your readers back at yourself. This is asking the question, what do my readers say about me? And we thought this is the ultimate level because it's your readers talking about you and they, what resonates with them about your brand is the most important thing. But there is actually an even more important thing. <laughs> no, say it ain't so. It is true. Mm-hmm. This fourth level is, we're calling this step four, look in your reader's mirror. So we've kind okay, of come Thomas, full I like circle. that. I like that look in your reader's mirror. But what what exactly do you mean by that? So this is if if looking in your own mirror is asking who am I. Looking in your reader's mirror is asking the question: What does this brand let me say about myself? Or what does this brand say about me if I'm a part of it? And uh, the easiest way to think about this is in clothing. Someone wears a certain brand of clothing. That those clothes say something about them. Someone who's wearing Nike t- uh, shoes is different from somebody who's wearing Reebok shoes. Those are two different groups of folks. But when someone walks into the store to buy sneakers, they're not trying to decide between Reebok and Nike typically, especially for basketball shoes, right? Those are very different factions, very different kind of person is going to be putting on Reeboks. Uh, but it's not just with clothing brands that have that have this of people wanting to express themselves through the brand but it's even more than that well because people ultimately want to have an identity we are all searching for identity where we belong where we fit in what tribe members do i want to surround myself with and by doing this by creating a brand such that they go i want to identify myself with this brand that is that is the ultimate i belong because i wear a nike t-shirt i belong because i wear reeboks and i'm going against the grain a little bit that's ultimately where we want to get to and and yeah and that's the second question that's a part of this the first is what does this brand uh, let my readers say about themselves and then the second question is what does this brand give my readers access to what tribe does it give them access to so um Not all author brands have the potential to get here. If you're writing a romance, you're unlikely to create a brand about your romance book. Uh, But uh, Although there may be some ways, and we'll tell you how to get to this level and and what people have done to get there, and maybe you can be the first. But we were going through, and we were like, we can't think of any examples of of a romance author who got to level four, where they had a tribe that emerged in this sense, where it was a self-identifying, identifying, granting 
tribe. And so to give you to give you a couple of examples real quick, and then we'll give you some tests that you can use. One example is the Bible, the best-selling book <laughs> of all time. Uh, and you'd think that um, in marketing, uh, like book marketing podcasts and books, people would talk about the Bible more. It's like, what is the Bible doing to cause it to be the number one best-selling book every single year for the last, you know, 500 years basically. <laughs> gonna, yeah. it's like the invent the printing press was invented to print the bible and it, it does these things very well it creates that sense of identity and that sense of community where re- there are there's a certain kind of person who's going to read the bible every day or, or have good feelings about the bible and buy it regularly and another person who's not going to read the bible under any circumstances there's nothing you can do to convince that person to read the bible because they have made up the the decision that they're not that kind of person. I am not a person who buys an iPhone. I'm the kind of person who buys an Android or vice versa. And these people who do read the Bible, as since we're using this example, these are people that, for the most part, are very passionate about it. They have very clearly defined themselves into this tribe. Same thing with Nike. There are people, I am a Nike person. I will never wear Adidas or Reebok. I'm Nike all the way. So we see this again and again and again. But Thomas is right. Why we don't use the Bible as an example of creating a tribe more often is surprising. So, but you're going to be like, okay, well, the Bible, that's not fair because the Bible's a religious book. Any religious book will be like that. It's like, okay, fair enough. But it doesn't just apply to religious books. So Twilight. People either love or hate Twilight. Fans of the Twilight books gather together with each other to talk about Twilight. There are And dress up like their characters, right? <laughs> and dress up <laughs> like their characters. There are people who drive to the various places. They go on tw- Twilight tours in Washington. They want to visit all of these gloomy places that are the pl- parts <laughs> of the country that have the least amount of sun of the entire country. <laughs> I grew up in western Washington, believe me. It's not that glamorous. <laughs> but But it is, though. If you're them. in that tribe, yeah. If you're if, in it, yes, absolutely. If there could be a but sparkly if, vampire if not at behind the, tribe, the tree. <laughs> if you're not in the tribe, those areas near the coast are not uh, not going to be full of sunshine for and, you. And this is giving you hints of where, where we're going in terms of how to get here. And, and, and here's the hint. If your tribe is for everyone, no one will feel at home. It, it, what identifies a tribe is as much by who the outsiders are as by the who who the insiders are and most authors are trying to be too inclusive to get to this fourth level of branding and you don't have to be successful uh to be at this fourth level of branding there are many books who've sold sold millions of copies that have not gotten here but some other examples lord of the rings do lord of the rings fans gather together yes do they (laughs) identify themselves based off their fanness of lord of the rings yes in fact going back in the 70s it's not wasn't uncommon to see spray paint graffiti in uh, new york city subways that said frodo lives Frodo lives, right (laughs) um which i wasn't alive for that but i studied about it in history class (laughs) the frodo lives meme back before there were memes there was spray paint and people sprayed it on walls which um i'm not advocating that your fans graffiti and vandalize but it's an indication of that uh, passion uh, and other examples are uh, Hunger Games uh, has done a really good job. Insiders, outsiders, people who passionately like it, passionately dislike it. Less of an identity. And then uh, Brandon Sanderson has also done a great job with this. And he's probably done the best job of doing it with him as an author. So it, all of his books, uh, or a lot of his books are in this Cosmere. And that Cosmere has a brand that has passionate fans who gather and discuss and will dress up at conferences, wear T-shirts, etc. Uh, and then for you nonfiction folks... We have a book for you, too. 
<laughs> getting things done. Now, getting things done is not epic like a lot of these books we've been talking about, but still the core message of that resonates so deeply with people that they want to gather with other people that say, I get this book. This book has changed my life. Um, I resonate with you because you understand what I'm talking about when I reference the book. Getting Things Done is a book that has evangelists, like people who preach the gospel of getting things done to everyone around them. Because every time they interact with someone who's inefficient or is wasting time, like, oh my gosh, you got to read this book. And you can go on meetup.com right now and do a search for getting things done, and you will find groups meeting in your area to discuss this book. It's had that much of an impact. And if you're having t- trouble getting stuff done, Maybe you should read the book, Getting Things Done. It will help. <laughs> it, I've read it once or twice. Uh, I consider myself to be a GTD person. At least I try to practice uh, getting things done whenever possible. And uh, I enjoy hanging out with those kinds of people. So I'm, I'm not an insider, a core insider, but I'm also not an outsider. So, okay, Thomas. So what? talk about uh, – let's give some examples of tests that show whether you've reached this level or not. The first test is the shirt test. Uh, would someone, so step one is, would someone wear a shirt with your logo on it, your brand on it, your book cover on it, or imagery from your book? But the ultimate test is, would someone pay to wear a shirt with your logo on it? So you've probably seen people walking around with the uh, Hunger Games little Mockingjay logo and wearing the pin um, from the from the movie, but it's also from the book. And uh, the, for other brands, the shirt test is more helpful. Um because you don't see a lot of authors with imagery that can be put on shirts, but you also don't see a lot of authors creating imagery that can be put on shirts. So is this a problem of authors just haven't done it, and that's why we don't see it, or that it doesn't work? I suspect it's because authors haven't done it, because these techniques work in all these other industries. Why wouldn't they work with authors? It's interesting. Some of you are probably familiar with an author by the name of Ted Decker, and Ted had a series called The Circle Series, which was a trilogy, red, white, black. And um, he created pendants. He created these wooden pendants from for a time. You could buy them on Etsy. You could buy them from Ted. And, and so that it actually uh, – that's an example, Thomas, of Ted did go to the effort of creating these uh, symbols or jewelry, and, and people did buy them. Yeah, another test is the bumper sticker test. Uh, would someone put your logo on their bumper sticker, <laughs> on their bumper? Uh, so Apple is a great example of this. People, especially back before Apple became mainstream. So now that Apple is bigger, you actually see fewer cars with the Apple logo on the back. Right. Which is fascinating. It used to be that getting that Apple logo was very difficult. You had to pay $2,000 for a computer. That Then as a part of the computer, you got a sticker to put on the back of your car. It was kind of an invitation to join the tribe. Not everyone who bought the computer put the sticker on their car, but everyone who put the sticker on their car had bought the computer. Now that with iPods and iPhones and iPads and all the other iDevices, you can get you can join the tribe for $200 or $100 are free with a contract. And that lower barrier of entry has actually reduced the value of the tribe. People are less willing to identify with the tribe because it's too easy to get in. It doesn't feel... It's, it's, not, it's not exclusive. How many times have you gone to a restaurant and thought, wow, this is a really cool restaurant. I found this hole-in-the-wall place. And then you find out, oh, it's, a, it's actually a chain or it's got four or five restaurants. It's just not as special anymore. Right. And so trying to create scarcity or putting barriers between your readers and your brand actually can help. So I know of high-end fashion brands where you can hardly buy the handbag. They hardly have them in stock. And it's a real challenge to buy it. And that's the one that everybody wants. 
you can't start there, but it's a great place to try to get uh, if you want to be an aspirational brand. And then the final okay, version. Thomas. So what is the what is the ultimate? <laughs> the ultimate is the ultimate test. Yeah, the ultimate test is the tattoo test. <laughs> is someone willing to tattoo your brand on their body? So this is Harley Davidson. This is brands like Disney. Disney gets tattooed all over people. Disney characters. Uh, even Apple uh, gets here. Uh, that's kind of the extreme example, but. Think about, so let's talk a little bit about how you can do this, how you can make this happen. And let's look at Harley-Davidson. Why is it that Harley-Davidson has such a passionate following when other motorcycle companies that make motorcycles that are just as good, and maybe Harley-Davidson's are a little bit better, but they're not 30 times better. It's not like a Yamaha drives half the speed of a Harley-Davidson or that it's twice as uncomfortable. In, in measurable ways, it's it's not that much better of a of a vehicle and yet it has this passionate following and part of the reason is that harley davidson has done a great job creating opportunities for harley davidson fans to gather with each other and this is another reason why a lot of the examples we shared were from fantasy and science fiction why do those have the better kind of fourth tiered brands it's because there's lots of gatherings of science fiction fans science fiction fans love to gather with each other and talk about science fiction when was the last time there was a romance conference, uh, romance writers or book conference? Typically, everyone there is a writer, not a reader. <laughs> but these science fiction fans are packed up with fans. Comic book conventions, gaming conventions—they all, all also attract fans of these books. And so, create opportunities for your fans to interact with each other, ideally in real life. So, like getting things done uses meetup.com, which is a free service, and regular people are creating meetup.com events. Uh, you can also do this online, though, creating opportunities for your fans to chat with each other, which is where a Facebook group might be a good way to do it. Facebook pages don't work well, but groups can. And just to be totally candid here, this is something that Thomas and I have stumbled on, realized there's a lot of truth in this, and we're still figuring it out, out as well. So uh, our intention is to have a follow-up episode maybe you know, a couple months, maybe six months down the road, where we can give you specific examples that we have tried or investigated and seen that work so that you can try it uh, as well. But in the meantime, we'd love to hear your ideas on what you've attempted, what has worked, what hasn't worked. So you can always shoot us an email and describe what you've done so far. Yeah, in terms of how to do it, the two tips we have for you is to, one, define outsiders (laughs) and who is in and who is out. And then secondly, create opportunities for the people who are on the in to gather with each other. If you do those two things you may find that you can emerge a tier four brand, which is incredibly powerful. We hope uh, this has been helpful. Oh, real quick. Uh, Some examples of books who have not done this. To Kill a Mockingbird. Sold 20 million copies. No tribe. You don't have to have a tribe to be successful. So don't feel like you have to do this. There are lots and lots of authors who've written excellent books. I think To Kill a Mockingbird was probably the best book of the 20th century. You can send hate mail to Thomas at thomasupset.com. <laughs> but of all the books that came out in the 20th century, To Kill a Mockingbird, in my opinion, was the best. And But it doesn't have a tribe. You don't see To Kill a Mockingbird fans gathering together. You don't see people tattooing mockingbirds on their shirts or on their bodies. Uh, it, it doesn't have that sense of identity, but it doesn't mean that it's not a good book. Uh, but if you do get to this level, you can sell tons of copies, even with a bad book like Twilight. <laughs> <laughs> what? What, Thomas? You're not putting that up next to... Oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. The hate mail's coming in now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Send, send your hate mail to... Twilight wasn't terrible, 
But was it really good enough to justify the tens of millions of copies that sold? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. But what it did do and what partly generated that was that people saw the hubbub. They saw the haters and the inside folks and the controversy about Twilight and made them curious. And they either wanted to be on the inside or they didn't. And some people wanted to be on the inside and they chose to read those books. And it was very effective uh, marketing uh, for those for Twilight. So go and do likewise. <laughs> and then tell us about it. We'd love to hear. Yeah. If you'd like to hear your name and book mentioned on Novel Marketing, all you have to do is leave us a review on iTunes. We would really appreciate it. And if you put your name and book title in the review, we will give you a shout-out here on the show, even if it's not a positive review. Wow. Wow. How can you turn down an offer like that? And this episode of My Book Table, or this episode of the Novel Marketing Podcast is brought to you by My Book Table and some exciting news. We'll be talking about this more later, but we are about to launch a Kickstarter for My Book Table 3. It's a brand new version of my book table. It's the best version yet. It's got a whole new interface. It's got a whole new landing page mode, beautiful page mode, audio book mode. It's amazing. You should check it out at mybooktable.com. You've been listening to James L. Rubart and Thomas Umstead Jr. on the Novel Marketing Podcast, giving you novel ideas on how to promote yourself and your writing offline, online, and everywhere in between. <laughs>